I never know how to like open a podcast, especially like the first one. Yeah. Is it like a music sting? Is it like a like a hey, how you doing? Hey, everybody, it... welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Is, is it a radio voice? Is it a morning news show? Should I bring my air horn? Like I, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I thought about this a lot. I was in the shower room and I'm like, what? How do we? How do we start? What do we? What do we do? This sounds perfect. This sounds good. This sounds perfect. It's like a slow rolling start. Like we're like we're, we're putting the car. <laughs> In neutral and just kind of rolling along. <laughs> and maybe, you know, we're setting the expectations low. Which is great. That way, the farther it goes in, you know, they're like, man, this is going to suck. And then they're like, okay. I heard you I just have to hook it. them for the first 30 seconds. So, like, if mm. we could, like, we just got, like, three, <laughs> two, one. If they're still here, they might. I think they're, they're stuck. Yeah, I think so. They're, they're probably <laughs> in all the way at this point. <laughs> oh, hey, now, everybody. Welcome to the Sidepole Podcast. We're like your, your weekly-ish Dota podcast where we strive to keep on to speed what's going on around the world of Dota, but without all the nitty-gritty. So our promise to you is that you don't need to know who got buffed in 7.2F or that the patch is 7.2F or what a patch is or what the letter <laughs> F is. I, I get really lost after C, D, and E, to be honest. Um, we, we want to keep it simple. And the International is right around the corner, so I feel like there's oodles of people who are coming Coming back into the Dota space. Absolutely. I think this is um, Dota 2 has very, very rapidly become one of those games that uh, people no longer play, but they watch a lot. Maybe they were going to, to college and they were able to play a bunch of Dota and now they have to go out into the, the real world and get real jobs and have kids and stuff like that. And so instead they just watch Dota because they can't really keep up. That's me. I'm so embarrassed how much money <laughs> I spent on my battle pass for the international uh -huh. this year. And I the last time I played a game of Dota is, is, is not anytime recently. So it, it's like... <laughs> It's just a dumb financial investment. Um, my name's Joey. Uh, you, you might know me more as Leaf Eater, like that asshat from Reddit. Um, but luckily for me, I'm not alone. With me is someone who's exponentially more important, knowledgeable, good-looking, like all the superlatives. If anyone clicked on this episode link, it's 100% not because they saw my name. It's because they saw <laughs> your name, Cap. Um, I'm just happy to be here. Honestly, I've been a, a part of so many podcasts that at, at this point... Those same people who clicked on this podcast to tune in, they're like, oh, Cap's doing another podcast. Can't wait to watch the first episode and then never see another one Maybe again. the second one. I, did, I, I feel like there's two that exist on your YouTube channel, and I was looking for the third one. Yes, the, the third one never happens. The problem is, is that like uh, I need somebody to be able to work with that actually wants to do it. Because working with Dota people, they never want to do anything. Mm. They never want to – like players don't want to do interviews. Talent don't want to actually do anything outside of their actual job. So – you know, I might be here for you. Maybe. I mean, to be honest, we've never really like spent time together. This is yeah. this is literally the most time we spend talking to each other in our entire lives. Yeah, we and we're just gonna start recording. <laughs> we committed a at least an hour spending time and talking together on a podcast. So and we might we, this is gonna click. We might leave this studio and just never speak again. That, that's a real possibility. <laughs> oh man, it's it's interesting though. I mean, it, it seems exciting to be able to do a podcast for for people who like aren't the most hardcore of the hardcore Dota audience. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there's so many people that, again, watch but don't play. And then there's so many people who tune into the international and that's the only time that they watch Dota that I think this is, in general, I think this is a really good idea. Um, I just hope, honestly, that I get like a few people who are like, oh, let me catch up on TI, listen to this podcast, watch TI, and then go, I should watch more of these games because honestly, Dota is such an incredible esport. Uh, like, I feel so strongly about that. that We're both uh, probably pretty biased, but I agree. <laughs> there, I mean, I just think that there's so many people who are like missing out. You know, like I, I look at some other esports. I follow all the other esports almost, and you know, CS:GO is like fantastic. Love watching CS:GO. Um, but I, I feel like there, there are other esports out there that like, like man, you're just missing out. If you just got to learn Dota 2 and you just got into that, you would there's you so would begin depth. to understand like so there's so much depth. There's such great storylines. Honestly, this year is gonna be one of the best years for for storylines going into uh into the international. It's a life-changing amount of money, obviously. And that's it truly uh, the is. biggest it's selling point so that people usually money. tune into. They're like this tournament's got over $30 million. That's... I should probably see what's going on. <laughs> That's why my mom knows about it. She's yeah. like, hey, that Dota thing you like, it's like the $30 million this year, right? Are, are you going to China, Joey? I'm like, I'm not going to. You're going to China. Uh, honestly, I feel kind of bad for like some of the other esports who have to deal with that. Like, oh, I talk about uh, esports for a living. Oh, do you cover that one game that has a $30 million prize pool? No. Is it, is it, is it, my tournament it, had a $50,000 prize pool. Like, oh. 
honestly, it's like which is an still absurd amount of money that we a make. lot of money still. Yeah, it's a, it's an insane amount of money just compared to Dota two and Ti and stuff. It's like nothing can possibly match that. It's almost like we're doing a disservice to other esports. It, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but that's how, like, if you take away the money, and honestly, I hate talking about the money. Like, the money does represent how awesome Dota 2 is as an esport. Like, honestly, I think it's, it's uh, like, it just blows almost every other esport out of the water when it comes to depth in, in strategy, when it comes to some of the storylines that have built up over the years. Our players are not great when it comes to uh, selling themselves as personalities. Not but really. we have such a depth of history that these these storylines have been built up without needing them to be forward and trash talking and all these other things that is usually, you know, come about from uh, from athletes or other esports and stuff like that. So Yeah, and part of the reason why the prize pool is so big, some people don't even know this, is that you know the, the community contributes to yeah. the prize pool, which is how it's just ballooned. Because at, when, when it was announced this year, a lot of people were like, it might not be the biggest one ever. Well, like, uh, I don't know. Is it going to be bigger than last year's? What about Fortnite? They got $30 million. <laughs> like, what, like, what are we going to do? And then, uh, lo and behold, here we are again back on top. So, Yeah, Valve uh, really outdoes themselves every year when it comes to uh, selling the compendium. And every year I'm, I'm surprised at how much support there is still from the player base when it comes to supporting the compendium every year i think like oh we finally reached our peak we're not going to be able to go past that again yeah it has to like it has to stop eventually yeah so i feel like we're almost hedging our bets right we're like ah this will be the year like let's just play it safe let's set our expectations low honestly i just want that year to finally happen that way like the money stops becoming such a a fixation point i feel like the the money almost does uh it's a very shallow reason to be interested in Dota 2. I love the fact that it changes people's lives <laughs> and the fact that like the people win, like they're set for the rest of their life. They work so hard to be able to get to this moment. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic that they're, the money repre- is able to back their achievement and how hard it is to be able to be on top in Dota 2. But uh, it does also like just becomes a fixation and such a an yeah. annoying talking point how big after can a while. it get and here we are talking about it like <laughs> hey, uh, like we're, we're part of the problem right <laughs> we're now we're, we're actively <laughs> making it worse because there's so many other things about ti that are interesting it's not just the money the international is like dota christmas dota super bowl dota mm-hmm. emmys like it is the event and it's not just a day it's it's going to be two weeks of everyone coming back into this community and being like Oh yeah, Dota. That's great. This is great. I love these games. I love these people. Look at how cool the production value is. Like, it, it's 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 just a real cacophony of everything that kind of represents our game. When you think about TI Cap, like like what what does it really mean to you? What what's the important? What's what's the big top level TI stuff? Um. So I was thinking about this a lot recently because um, the talent invites were re- recently announced, and I was on that list. And you were towards the um, top of the list. I don't I, know. You're being modest about do, it, but it's, like it's only because my my nickname starts with a C. Are you sure I'm it was alphabetical? Sure I don't know. I'm, I'm like you're sure you're you're a top because I'm right next to Blitz and BSJ, so I'm pretty sure it's just that. <laughs> okay, but, that's fine. Um, I I do think that like uh, every year it's like um, a cathartic release. I did it. I got invited. You know, I'm not going to say it's the exact same as what the players experience, but it is a similar qualifying process, I would say, that it is that kind of thing where I worked all year to be able to make it to this point. This is the the end goal. Basically, if I don't make TI, I consider the year a failure, you know, which kind of sucks to have everything right on one event but at the same time it's like it's an amazing feeling and and i don't think that many people get to experience that kind of approval in their day-to-day jobs i mean i remember like doing grinds at, at you know the warehouse at a at paper mill and it's like nobody was there once a year to tell me like we think you did a fantastic You're job the best paper here's, miller. A, here's a big bonus like no, nothing like that you know and so it's um i realized how like privileged i am to be able to have that kind of acknowledgement of just like hey great job here's this thing you get to go do that's awesome that's kind of interesting to me because i feel like i mean not to blow too much smoke up your ass but you are one of the premier top level casters <laughs> yes period. yes so like, go I, on i am magnificent I, I, uh, the, uh, the best uh i i feel like a lot of people just assume that you're like a shoe-in to be there re- kind of almost regardless of your year's worth of performance but even just you saying that makes it seem like you're still thinking about it like you're not you know don't take anything for granted i think um ti 
the international is such a big deal, both players and for talent, that nobody wants to ever have the hubris of saying, like, I'm a guaranteed invite. I'm guaranteed going to make it as TI as a player. I think every single player and talent has a little bit of fear that they're not going to make it and a very strong drive to work harder and be better. That way they can make this big event. So I know a lot of people are probably concerned because this year the international for the first time is in China, yeah. which is very far away. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, n- normally, you know, for almost every other year of its existence, it's been in North America, or Seattle, mm-hmm. Vancouver, except for the first year it was in Germany, of course. But, you know, it makes sense to have more uh, English-based talent at those other internationals because that's where the audience, that's, that's what the audience is listening to. That's where yep. the predominant broadcast is. Valve's an English-speaking company. But being in China, I heard a lot of talent being concerned of like, well, how many people are they going to take? Like, is there going to yeah. be less people? Do I have to work harder? What's it going to look like for me? So I think it was kind of cool to see that they did bring still such a, such a bolstered roster over there. Yeah, I was definitely slightly concerned about that. But uh, I will say that Valve um, never seemed to shortchange the Russian or Chinese broadcasts when it was predominantly an English broadcast when it was in Seattle and Vancouver. So I wasn't terribly surprised to see they still brought uh, a very large roster. And after all, it is the the biggest esports tournament out there, has hosts the biggest prize pool. I think uh, the the production is just amazing. And, you know, to be able to back that, you have to bring uh, a lot of quote unquote talent for that. So you can't have the community mad at you. Like, why did you yeah. cheap out? Why didn't you pay one <laughs> salary? I really, I wanted to see capitalists. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's always going to be that uh, one of those sticking points of like who made it, who didn't. It being in China does present like some woes though. Like I know me who will be staying in California for the whole international. It's going to happen during the entirety of my sleeping period, yes. which I feel like is selfish, right? Because I've had so many TIs that were absolutely exquisite for my daily day-to-day schedule. So now I'm the one who's being entitled and complaining about eh, it's happening when I'm sleeping tonight. <laughs> but like that, that like I'm I'm worried about being able to like even catch up and watch all of TI this year. Yeah. I, I think it is. Um, I think it's still such a great viewing experience that people shouldn't worry too much about being able to watch it live. I think um, being able to watch it on VODs and stuff, and even if you can only watch like an hour or two of of it, I think the combination of production and the uh, like every single game. The thing about why I was talking about like being able to have this big approval at the end of the year and saying like, "Oh, I made it." and talking about the like hubris is that because everybody experiences that both in talent and the player pool i feel like everybody works very hard to get better and there are very very few times in dota 2 that you can say that people were resting on their laurels that a player you know just like got washed up because he got lazy or something like that and that that is also what makes the international such great viewing experience is that the play and strategy that is presented is so high level because everybody again it's such a life-changing amount of money that everybody is spending every waking minute from here on until the international ends thinking about TI and and thinking about what am I going to do to be the best that I can be at this event and it, the players like the play is unbelievable the the stakes have never been higher so the drama is naturally amazing it's um and and you know like some some player developments like uh take OG versus evil geniuses there was a recent OG documentary that I highly recommend people check out as a it was nice Red Bull little, produced right yeah it was it was produced by it was it was funded by Red Bull and and they put together this documentary about the OG story and how they won TI and everything that led into it. And I think that is just one example of the great drama that goes into the international. I highly recommend anybody, if you're gearing up for TI, to watch that broadcast. And uh, it's, it's cool because, like, you know, even if you compare it to, like, the NFL, per se, because these people come, these people who play Dota, these people who are esports professionals come from an internet background, like, you're just, they're more public if yeah. nothing else. So you, so you can really see what goes into their day-to-day. They're, they're, they're streaming, they're forward-facing, mm-hmm. they're playing tournaments all year long. You have access to their to their Twitters. You know what's going on behind the scenes and these documentaries provide more of an access to like see that these are people who are working very, very hard yeah. to accomplish their dreams. And I think it's one of the best um, ways to be able to showcase the drama and emotions that go into um, a game like this. You know, people like outside media, media will talk about like how much can you really get out of like video games as a human drama piece. Like and uh, people who are familiar with esports, but maybe not with Dota 2, probably look at it and see like it's kind of hard to be able to talk about the personality of people. Mm-hmm 
in games at times compared to like say a first person shooter where you've got people like simple popping off and you can always go to that point right um dota 2 with its like complexity is a little hard to get into that human drama which is where these like documentaries like the og one you get a you get a much better sense of like how much these players care about these moments and and all of the the stresses that either break or make some of these players and teams as as they manage to move forward. And it's tools like that that can also introduce other people to Dota. Like I can yeah. show that documentary to to my to my mom to 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 friends oh, overnight, and they can like get and understand and see the human element of this, and not just be like, oh, I don't understand Dota, or oh, I play League, or yeah. I don't really like our RTSs, MOBAs. What are we calling Dota these days? <laughs> I've actually lost total track of what our genre. I is feel called. like I it's I MOBAs, like but action RTS. Yes, is the latest one I think we're going with that. I'm, I'm genuinely not sure. I'm, I'm really fishing. All I know is that whenever I talk to other people, it's like uh, I, I always have to introduce it. When it comes to North America, I always have to introduce, you know, League of Legends? Oh, yeah, 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 I've heard of that game. Okay, I do a game like that. Like That's pretty much like what I have to introduce it to the normies out there uh, in North America anyway, because uh, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, but what, what game do you play? It's 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 a PC one, right? Like it's a. <laughs> but I, I I don't want the conversation to be that. Like I long to just be able to be like, oh yeah, like I play Dota, or I watch Dota, or I yeah. participate in Dota, and just have that be more commonplace. Yeah, and I think um, that documentary is is a great way to be able to um, to open people up to what goes on in these esports. Um, you know, a lot of people will look at it and it's just like, ah, oh, playing video games. It, you know, the biggest thing that really gets to me is when I, uh, whenever I talk to, especially a little bit older people is, oh, uh, you know, esports and like, oh, playing video games for money and stuff. How much is the prize pool? $30 million. And it's always the same joke every single time. It's like, oh man, I, I should have gotten into video games more when I was younger. And it, it's just like, or I wish that was a thing when I was younger and stuff. And it's like, you know, I would never say that. Oh, LeBron James makes how much money? Oh, I should have played basketball played more. Basketball. Like no, nobody, like nobody says that, right? And because that's that's exactly the thing about the international. Games are easy, right? They're just basically playing advanced Mario Kart. Like yeah. I can play Mario Kart. I can win thirty million dollars. Yeah, like like, like um, the international is not a lottery by any stretch of the imagination. Like it's not some thing that has been uh, a big marketing campaign and somebody's just going to luck into a whole lot of money. It, this is something that has been known. That has gone on. This is going to be the ninth international. Everybody has built their their career and their lives around that. This has worked really, really hard to be there. And and as a result, you know, the whole iron sharpens iron, all those sorts of analogies about like people just working really hard and competition and the nature of competition, making people better. Like that's what makes the international such great experiences. The fact that like everybody is at the very tip top of their game and is just exponentially better than anybody else who's even close to playing competitively in the same game. Yeah, I would consider myself an above average Dota player, but yeah. I can't, but like barely. Like if, if there's a bell curve, I'm just slightly to the right. Yeah. And the amount of difference between, well, first off, even me and you, and mm -hmm. then you and professional players is just, it, it, it's comical. To give, like, to give the audience like a little bit of perspective, I am a play-by-play -play caster as well as an analyst. And I am... My rank is usually anywhere from 500 to I, I once was top 100. Meaning 500, meaning you're like one of the top 500 yeah, players. Yeah, so in I was I was a top 500 or you know anywhere from top 500 to top 100 North American player. And honestly, my skill level is garbage <laughs> compared to the the professionals that I play with. Every single time that I get into a game with one of them, I am just like I feel like I'm lost in mm -hmm. the game. You know, and this is somebody that I've I've dedicated my life to. I played this game for like. Over a decade and a half now, I think. That's like and more than half of our lives. Yeah, and I feel Dota. like I'm lost when I'm playing with some of these pro players. So just like, just give, you know, if I'm top 500, like the top 10 people in my region are just incredibly good compared to me, you know, and, and I'm great. Yeah, you know, so I'm great at the game. Just you, <laughs> just playing games when you were younger isn't going to make you one of those yeah. people. That's that's the whole point. Like, yeah. you, you can't just luck into being one of these but people. Believe me, I've dedicated my life to this game. You think I wouldn't play if I could? Like, I would love to compete in the international. You, you Believe me, if I could place, like, just 12th at the international, if I could be on a team that plays 12th, I would take that in a heartbeat over talking about those guys playing the international. You know, it's just... Uh, Do you think that's unique? Like, uh, how many other of your cohorts of like the casters or analysis are in that position where they're even like close? 
Um, like, or could even consider playing in the international because I feel like you're close to being on on the precipice. I think there's um, the closest comparison would be somebody that um, is he goes by the name Sindarin. He has been a repeat competitor and repeat talent featured at the international. Um, typically what happens is every single year, he he really wants to make it as a player. That's just his passion, that's his drive. And every single year he tries to do it. And unfortunately he just always comes up either a bit short or a lot short. And then he naturally has to fall back into commentating, which is what he's really good at. You know, that it's at the end of the day, it's still his passion. He loves Dota and every single year, People try and tell him that he would be better off, you know, just look, bro, just stick to casting, stick to talking about the more game. More stability, but more every money, single year, more... He goes back because it's it's uh, it's a lot of things. It's, it's, it's passion, but also it's the fact it's a dream of every single player to be able to compete in the international. It's a dream to be able to win the international. Again, just watch Free to Play, watch the OG documentary if you want to get an idea of like what all of this means to the players. Like, I just can't put it into words how much it means to Yeah, them. it's hard for me to even come up with, a, like, a comparison of what that high could even feel like because yeah. I'm sitting here, I can't even fathom what that high would be. Like, I don't have anything to compare it to. I can't I can't think of goals like that. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I think very few of us uh, have, like, those kind of goals in our lives. Like, I, I have the goal of making the international as, as talent, but honestly, that doesn't compare to making it as a player. Like, uh, the competition is much higher and the uh, drama and the stress is much higher as a player. And there are a lot of people who are going to be playing at the International. I believe it's 16 yep. teams this year? 18 teams, 18 actually. Teams. So 18 teams are going to be heading into the International. Uh, six of them have qualified through these regional qualifiers while, while the other uh, 12 managed to make it through the DPC, which is the Dota Pro Circuit. Basically, you get points for every single tournament, major or minor, that you were playing in. And uh, the top 12 teams throughout the year uh, automatically were invited in. So the top 12 teams are like regardless of region where they come from. Yeah, yeah. So um, you can have a very, very stacked region potentially. For example, like this year was Europe was very dominant. Europe was very, very good and won a lot of the DPC events. And as a result, the European qualifier was actually a little bit weaker because so many European teams succeeded. They were already being there. able to, to make it based off of their points. Yeah, 18 teams are going to be there. Two teams will be eliminated after a group stage, and then we will have 16 teams in a playoffs, a double elimination playoffs. And the exciting thing about TI is that we've already, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, if people qualified late in the day, if they did these regional qualifiers, like surely mm -hmm. they might not be as good of teams, which to a sense could be true, but also we've seen international after international teams who have come up from those open qualifiers, those regional qualifiers, do really well in the events. So you can't count anybody out. Oh, absolutely. I think that's one of the most interesting talking points about the international is that for the last, let's say for the last five or six years, the favored team has never won the international. Obviously, there are some some teams that have been like in the top three heading into the international mm -hmm. and maybe like the third best team has actually won it. But every single year since probably TI5, you could even include TI4. Every single year, there is a team that is a complete surprise that makes it all the way up to the top. I could just go through them. Like TI5, you had CDC managed to play second. TI6, they you came had, out of the, uh, the. They almost were eliminated their first day. Yeah they, yeah. they went from elimination on day one to second place. Yeah, absolutely crazy. We had um, TI6 Digital Chaos, who were uh, ranked probably at the very bottom by most analysts and pundits, managed to make all the way uh, to second place, made it into the grand finals. We had TI7, who made it pretty far there. That was actually one of the rare times where like the expected teams were kind of in the finals where you had liquid mm -hmm. and newbie but i'm sure there was definitely some surprises there in the top eight ti ti8 was obviously the biggest cinderella story that has probably ever happened in esports ranked 16th by many pundits and analysts nearly everyone yeah, pretty much everyone had OG at, at the bottom, especially because they had a lot of drama that happened to them where their team broke up just weeks before they were supposed to actually qualify for the international and had to scramble to find new players and managed to make their way all the way through the upper bracket, not losing a single series and won the entire thing. Even in the grand finals, even against a team that they had already beaten, people were saying, uh, they're not going to be able to do it again. Not in a best of five. I had the same exact thought. Let me it's tell over you. Now. Every single step of the way at the upper bracket, watching them and studying them, I said, they can't do it. 
I said, maybe they can beat their first upper bracket team. Maybe. Second matchup against Evil Geniuses. No, I don't think that's that's not happening. EG is definitely <laughs> no the superior team. Against LGD, the Chinese powerhouse. Incredible team. No way they're going to beat them in the upper bracket finals. They do it anyway. A second time at a best of five. Okay, OG must have pulled something over them. There's no way they could do it again. And OG did it in, in five games. And so much of it came down to a lot of the human element. Uh, it came down to straight anger. It came down to the the perseverance of just being able to go through all of this. You know, anybody who's gone through like really tough times, you realize it makes you harder and it gives mm-hmm. you stronger resolve. That definitely came into it. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of friendship and love between these guys that managed to bolster each other through tough situations and come out through in the end. Like there's just so many things that uh, work to OG's favor that they're easily the best Cinderella story that I've ever heard in eSports. It seems like so many people also want to talk about uh, these players almost like they're robots or inhuman, mm-hmm. like they don't have emotions. But so much of Dota goes beyond what's actually happening in the game, but your mental state, how you're yeah. playing with your friends, the people on your team, do you like them? Like, and There's so many of these other little factors that contribute to Cinderella stories like that. Yeah, I will tell that um, you know if you're at the highest level and you're studying the game, you'll notice that there is a decrease in performance at TI. And you know, even though these players are incredibly good, they will be better at other tournaments. Stress, nerves. Yeah, they're, because there's so much stress. I mean, you're you're out there. Somebody on your team is going to let the stress get to them. Like somebody will. There's think about how much money there is. Think about how many people are watching you. You're in the middle of a stage with just thousands of people. There's very loud chants at the international every single year, uh, whether they're cheering on your opponent or cheering you on. Maybe that makes you nervous. Every single year you see it. There, I always hear of somebody who just you know cracks a little bit. The the nerves get to them. The because you're. Even if it's not for yourself, right? It's it's a team game. You feel like you're letting your team down in some ways, or maybe maybe your teammate is letting you down, and you know you you let that get to you. You let you get angry at them instead of trying to comfort them and, and bolster them. There's I think it's a little sad that we don't get more of these human stories because it is the biggest pressure cooker that esports players can go through and there's going to be a lot of emotions as a result. So many emotions. You talk about like uh, the all the cheering that goes on in the international. It's, it's yeah. deafening. Like I've, I, I've had a lot of chance at TI than like in major sporting events that I've been to. Yeah. So it's it's insane. And this being the first TI that's in China kind of changes the home field advantage a bit. Oh, yeah. So normally at TI, you still have a large mainland Chinese contingent that, that, that travel across the world to come mm-hmm. to the event. Normally it's cute. They all sit in like a very similar section behind and the Chinese casters, <laughs> yep, yep. and it's not like a like a regional war mm-hmm. thing that's going on, but like it, it's very nationalistic. They're mm-hmm. they're there for the Chinese teams, regardless of which Chinese team they are. Almost yes. So now we have the opposite going on, and I don't think we're going to see you know a lot of people who are flying to Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Like we had people from Shanghai flying flying to Seattle or whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see how more of these Western teams who are used to TI being you know their home field being shook by what I can only imagine will be the most deafening arena. Oh, absolutely. I think that um, TI9 is definitely going to be something to watch just to be able to see the the fans cheer on the their teams when it comes to Chinese versus the West. It's been um, a very long storyline that has gone through Dota's history since the early days back when it was just a mod for Warcraft 3 that China has long been looked at as the best region when it comes to Dota 2 and that... Similar to like a Korea, North Korea, North Korea, well, <laughs> a South Korea, StarCraft situation. Like it's, yeah. it's almost like it's, Dota is their game. Absolutely. That, that was long looked at as like they are just the best at it. And over the years that has been broken. Um, it's It got broken with the very first international with um, a team from the CIS region, Navi, managing to take the very first international and Ever since, until we got to TIA, it went back and forth between West and China. Every single year, so it go, goes Navi, and then it went IG, the, the Chinese favorites. Then it went to Alliance, the, the Swedish powerhouse that managed to just knock everybody down. Incredible. Um, they managed to beat Navi in the finals, so China didn't even feature in the finals. And it got to a point where it's now referred to as the curse, where every single year, pretty much it's it's either a China year or it's a West year. And 
the the curse is there. The players talk about it. it you don't let it get into your head too much, but they it's they some know voodoo shit. Like, yeah, it's 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 like half a meme, but because it's also reality, people take it as like, a, oh no, like what's yeah. it's going to affect me. It was it was there every year. Ti seven, we had uh, Team Liquid making it. It was uh, a Western year, and then Ti eight was supposed to be a Chinese year. Uh, China was in the grand finals. LGD was representing great team as as i was talking about them before didn't think that they uh were gonna lose to og whatsoever and, let alone twice um, and yeah and they they lost to them twice og broke the curse quote unquote but you know maybe maybe it's just time to switch things up because after all we have ti9 that can be a western year because it's going to be in shanghai right so people are now that's that's now the way the curse has been changed up is that of course it had to be back-to-back western years because otherwise ti9 would be a western year and you can't have, you can't have a that. western that, that team winning wrong. in shanghai right so you know it's it's like the the history of, of dota 2 is what makes so many fun storylines like that even i find myself you know kind of rooting for more chinese teams this year just because mm-hmm. i want to i like i want them to do well. i want to see them in the grand finals i want to have absolutely. that arena be as absolutely lit as possible yeah i think it's it's definitely going to be interesting because um there are the favorite teams are mostly western there are two really good chinese teams heading into this tournament there is vici gaming and lgd so if you are cheering for china i think those are the most likely the two teams for me it's vg gaming i think they're a really great team just a fantastic young squad that has just gotten better over the season also a very emotional team which makes them really fun to watch if you ever get any see any interviews or i was on a bus with them once after they lost at uh, mdl let me tell you they uh they have a coach who's very who's uh known for being very very loud he he goes by rotk and he's he's known for being very very loud and a little his, eccentric. Yeah, a little, a little eccentric. Uh, has a lot of fun with uh, some of the Western players, and his team is is very young. And there's one player in particular who's called Yang. He plays off lane for Vici Gaming, and boy, he is loud. Let me tell you, he's a little guy, but he is so <laughs> loud. He's so fierce. Um, and and they'll just be yelling at each other back and forth, arguing about what went wrong in the game and stuff. You know, throughout the year they pretty much been the same squad and they've only gotten better over time so that kind of fire must must be working for them it hasn't broken them yet so is there a value in teams staying the same all year long because like og who won last year's international is coming back in same mm. team liquid yep. recently you know very famously had, had a lineup change kind of late in the hour mm-hmm. and there's other teams like infamous who qualified through the south american qualifiers who never played a, a dpc major event <laughs> together all season and now yep. they're at the international yeah, there's um, there's definitely a lot of interesting stories. I think one of the first ones for anybody who's kind of fallen Dota 2, you may know this one, which is um, no team or player has won the international twice, which is amazing, right? Because five people are winning it. And let me tell you, like Dota 2 is a very hardcore game. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of players who played at the first international that are still around trying to play years later. Only two of them have actually made it for every single international, which it's is Puppy and Puppy Kuro. and yep. Kuro. Kuroki, uh, Puppy is the captain of Team Secret, and Kuroki is the captain of Team Liquid. Um, two of the favorites. Two of the favorites. Yeah, absolutely. So that is an interesting storyline. Somebody may finally be able to win the uh, the first international twice in a row. Either a player or an organization. No org has won it twice in uh, twice at all. Similar to the curse, it's just like a, a moment in time at this point. Like it yeah. has to happen eventually. Yeah, there, there's got to be. History was finally set and we broke the curse, but there's so many other long storylines that have been set up for almost a decade now that have yet to happen. This could be the year. That, you know, this could be the year. This is uh, this is just another reason to be able to tune into that. We can be here next year and be like, this will be the year. And the year after that will be like, guys, seriously, this has to be the I year. I mean, let me tell you, I thought it was going to happen uh, going all the way. I, th- I thought TI6 was going to be the last year. I remember watching Wings win and saying this you know, it was such an amazing year because still nobody's won the international two times. This is probably going to be the final year. And here we're talking about TI9, you know, and that that goes to show you the level of competition that there is in this circuit. That even though these guys have dedicated their life to this game, they still have not been able to win that world championships yeah. twice. There's so much there's so much turnover and not like, yeah, we, we, we still get new players. Often. And even though mm-hmm. a lot of the names by now, if you're familiar with Dota been watching, you'll probably recognize a lion share of them. But there's still new up and coming players from from new regions. Absolutely. We've got like like you pointed to Infamous. I think that's a really interesting storyline. South America has consistently been the weakest of all the regions when it comes to um, these international events. They are 
the permanent underdogs, no matter what. And they're the underdogs for so many reasons. Let's they're young. T- yeah, they're they're young. Uh, let's talk about their their playing setup, right? They're they're naturally in poorer countries, have a harder time being able to to play consistently. Will oftentimes be playing at land centers, so they have to make extra effort to be able to play in the first place. The money that they win is more life changing for them. And then on top of that, on top of all these other things, they have to play on a server because they don't really have enough great competition in their own region that they have to play on the USD server, which naturally has much higher ping for them. And that's just accepted. That, that is just entirely the way that all of these players go is they all play on US East because that's the best way to be able to get better is to play with the other best people in the world. It must be like their elevation training all year. Like yeah. <laughs> all, all year, they're like practicing in Denver. They're they're climbing Mount Everest, and they yep. finally get to TI, and they take their weight jacket off, and they're like, "Oh, I can breathe now." Yeah. Like I, I I don't even know what Dota's like without high ping. If you are a fan of the underdogs, there's pretty much no better team to to cheer for than Infamous. Yeah. They they like, as you said, they haven't been to it. <laughs> any other DPC season. It's a total enigma. Like what I was doing my research of them. I watched them qualify. I went through and did my research for for them specifically like an hour ago they were like the last team i got to i read through the stats and i and i looked at it and i said i don't know how much any of this means because <laughs> what what it does be so different yeah they're they're like the what they did against other south american teams and what they do against some of the other international teams is going to be very different Right. And how much are they going to keep their own play style to heart? How much are they going to try and adopt what the best teams are doing out there? What are they going to try and follow what Team Secret or LGD does? You know, it's 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 going to be a total mystery until the event starts. That has to be scary for some of those, you know, teams who are more established, too, because they have experience playing against the other top teams. They have Mm -hmm. so much more material to research and study. But then a team like Infamous comes around and they're like, this is a wild card. Yeah, absolutely. We there's uh, famously, um, you know, I say they're they're permanently the underdogs, and very often they they perform uh, quite poorly at these international tournaments. But there is at least one beautiful example of a South American team doing great, and that was at the Frankfurt Major, I believe, where we had. Um, Maybe they was still infamous at that time where they actually knocked out one of the favorites, which I believe was Newbie. This was a super young squad that nobody had a whole lot of hopes for. And they were known for being a little bit bad mannered in games and stuff. And they would do something called item dropping, which is you would take an item and put it on the ground in front of your opponent and pick it up again. Before he could do something, maybe you were killing him. You just drop it on the ground just to taunt him. You Which know, you can argue is very risky and very dumb and oh, very silly. It is absolutely, it's incredibly dumb. There is one instance of a game entirely changing off of a player dropping his item and getting stunned and losing that item. Kyle Swindlemelons knows all about that. But like, you know, there there is at least one instance of that. It's very dumb, but it's also infuriating. Let me tell you, I've been on the opposite end of that, and I've I, I've had items dropped on me before, and I'm like, you little shit, you know. But it, it gets you, and that's the kind of psychological warfare that works in Dota 2, and it worked for OG recently at the last international. They uh, they spammed uh, voice lines in game. We have chat wheel voice lines that go on, and they spammed it, and it was a real psychological edge. You you see it in the documentaries. The enemy team talked about it. LGD in the grand finals talked about what do they do about these these chat wheel lines being spammed at them all the time. They lost. That's what they had to do. They couldn't handle it. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that you know something. Someone someone listening who might you know have that uh, not have the experience of knowing what it's like to play with uh, external variables like that. They're mm-hmm. like, oh well, I mean, why don't they just ignore it? Why don't they just play the game? Or like, why do these little silly things matter when they're playing such a high level Dota game? Mm-hmm. But it does. It's it's the little things, the things you can't practice for. Absolutely. <laughs> Again, in such a stressful situation, just the littlest thing can can set you off. And it, it the, the littlest thing also helps them. I mean, in many times like OG spamming their 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 chat wheel lines and having fun with the game and their friendship is what got them through so many tough parts. Speaking of uh, other underdog teams, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are really excited to see Navi finally back at yes. international. If you have not followed Dota 2 for a long time, you probably tuned in maybe at the TI2, TI3, TI4 era, you would know about El Clasico. 
It was Alliance versus Navi. This was like the this was the TI three Grand Finals matchup. It went to a game five. It was long held as the best international finals until OG one. This was just the the matchup to watch. Everybody wanted to see these two teams go up against each other every single time they did in the TI after TI three. Every single time they matched up against each other, you would have record breaking. Uh, stream numbers and stuff like that because there are just hardcore fans on both sides and if you were a fan of those teams back then I feel very strongly that you would be a fan of these teams now Alliance is still a uh, a Swedish powerhouse with an entirely different roster but let me tell you that that roster is scrappy fun Exciting. So fun. It, like They are one of the few rosters that you can actually get to know the players real quickly. They are actually all very charismatic. Some of them a little bit more outspoken than others. Their captain, Insania, is just a really nice guy. You know, I'm a little bit biased because I would consider him my friend, but <laughs> like he he's like relatively outspoken, but like in the, the Swedish, like he, he never really gets too excited about anything but he's a super charismatic and funny guy so if you're a fan of the old alliance i I highly suggest get to know this new alliance watch a few interviews with them very quickly you'll you'll begin to like them and and hopefully cheer them on at ti it feels like a new generation because it it is but also you know for the first time in such a long time we can see those two teams navi and alliance play a game together at the international which hasn't happened since since that final moment what one of my favorite (laughs) dota memories is i i uh, i like kind of lied to Valve a little bit to get a fast pass for TI3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like standing by the stage watching that game and I'm like that's when it clicked for me that Dota is like this is the end all be all. Like mm-hmm. like what's ever going to get better than this? And I feel like, you know, like you said with the exception of the international finals last year, so many people look back at that era with Navi and Alliance around TI3. That's that that's Dota to them. Yeah. And and they're back, both the Navi and Alliance. Navi managed to uh, qualify through the CIS region. They managed to win over, I would say, at least two teams that were probably favored over them. Um, one of which was Gambit, who was very heavily favored, was actually so close to qualifying via points, and um, and choked a bit at their qualifiers. But this is um, this is another young squad. That has, I would say, some, uh, I wouldn't even say up and coming because their safe laner crystallize, mm-hmm. I think, is already well established as um, just one of those great talents coming out of Ukraine. I think that they're captained by Seneko, who has had like a little bit of a hit or miss when it comes to his his teams that he's been a part of. But he's probably the most experienced person on their yeah, roster at this point. Yeah, he's definitely the most experienced uh, person. He's trying to guide Navi squads uh previous Navi squads and try and get them into winning positions with uh, not a great amount of success, but I feel like this is finally a roster that I, I don't really know, but it looks like a roster that I would believe in if I was a captain, right? It's just a bunch of young guys that feels like it's been picked out. Crystallize seems to be the the star that the Navi organization is holding on to, and I would agree. I think it's a, a player that I would build a roster around for sure. And they did. I mean, they came out of when they were qualifying for the international, they almost didn't even make it out of the group stage. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, they, <laughs> they fight against these powerhouse teams. Where everyone's like, ah, like Navi's just like, you know, they're an old washed up organization. Yep. They can't do anything anymore. Like, why are they even here? It's almost like a joke at this point. But then they do it and they're here. None of that old stuff matters anymore. Absolutely. It, it, it um, you know, it doesn't matter if your team broke up. You know, like two months or uh, or it was probably like only a month before the qualifiers. Doesn't matter if you if you uh, barely made it through the group stage for uh, it doesn't matter a TI. If you uh, say TI4, the, the champions newbie barely made it through what was called a bubble bracket. They barely got out of their groups and they were at like the bottom of that group area to be able to qualify for the next round. We had this the second round, which is called the bubble bracket, and they had to make it through three different teams, I think. They had to beat all three teams. They went like all the way from the bottom to be able to make to through. Yeah. yeah, it was it was just like an incredible bottom from the top and managed to make it all the way through into into the main event playoffs and won the entire thing. It just, you know, these kind of stories are there for every single international. Newbie is an interesting story for this international mm-hmm. because Newbie by and large has always been a Chinese organization. Yep. And I mean they while they still are a Chinese organization, they are fielding a in North American squad this year. Yes, they are. Because the Chinese roster that they had, they had a superstar on their team who actually featured in the grand finals against Team Liquid at TI7 SEC. Mm-hmm. 
DC. Bless they his kept heart. A the most attractive man in Dota. Yeah, dude, he is so attractive. <laughs> he is so good looking. And it's funny, there there is that documentary out there and it, it showcases, you know, some of the newbie players and how they looked after they lost the grand finals. And you see SEC and just this he's just broken. He just you know, he doesn't know what to do at that point after he has to watch somebody else pick up the ages. And unfortunately, he doesn't even qualify for this international. And as a result, Newbie go and pick up North American squad who had some issues with their organization. Uh, their organization had to drop them. And they Some picked up like bankruptcy, like like they just didn't yeah, exist anymore. So yeah. there's this squad of five people who qualified for TI who just don't have a banner to play under. Yeah. And and they go and, and pick them up. So for the first time, Newbie's going to be fielding uh, a, a Western team. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how the, the whether or not like the Chinese fans will adopt yeah. the team. Because we've seen that a lot from uh, other regions. Say we take ESL1 Birmingham, for example, and how they adopted Payne as, mm-hmm. as they just were like, we don't have an English team, you're now our squad. They took the South American squad that was, you know, again, the underdogs and were just kind of making their way through, managed to make it into the playoffs and they backed them all the way through. We'll see whether or not the Chinese fans at Shanghai will give the same kind of love for this North American squad just because, you know, newbie is backing them. We'll see. There's precedent of that too. I mean, even if you think about Evil Geniuses as a team that is, you know, from North America, a lot of their Mm -hmm. players kind of are kind of aren't and haven't yeah. been throughout history <laughs> yeah but like they're the people who get the usa chance regardless of you know what flag is actually by their players names oh yeah you could so, have four europeans on evil geniuses but you're still gonna hear usa they're every an american single time team. they play I'm, yeah. I'm i'm guilty of that like i'm like hey, you guys are from san francisco right yeah california go usa woo we'd be here for 20 hours if we talked about all these teams because yeah. there are so many interesting stories that we barely even touched on teams that directly qualify teams like you know secret VP, EG, TL, Team Liquid, Evil Geniuses, these teams that are just mainstays throughout the year in Dota. In and of themselves, like, their stories might be less underdog-related. Mm-hmm. But now, that doesn't make them any less interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, like, if we could touch on just one more, I think a really interesting one is Team Liquid, who kicked one of their players. This is the same roster that they won TI7 with. And they kicked one of their players who won them TI. His play and his heroes absolutely secured them the ages and they kicked him and picked up somebody else and that same player they kicked a player called Matumba Man he is now on the team that qualified through the European region called Chaos Chaos. Esports Club and that is another one of those just like the OG versus EG last year that's another one of those potential who knows revenge stories maybe you know Liquid is is proven right the fact that they were right to be able to kick Matumba Man I'm you just don't know until you see it at the international. And the interesting thing about that Team Liquid roster is that I believe they were like the roster that stayed together the longest throughout yeah. the history of Dota. Yes. They were together for years, which in, in our scene is almost unheard of. Every other week, someone's like, ah, we, did, we got rid of our offlane or we wanted a new yeah. one. Or like, ah, like you know, Jimmy didn't clean the bathroom, so we need a new, we need a new support player. <laughs> like the, the, the amount of turnover in, in Dota teams is so much that to see Team Liquid stay together for so long mm-hmm. is what made them getting rid of Matumbo Man so impactful. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, especially since, you know, winning a TI is such an iconic thing. And the fact that they did very well the year after they won TI, even if they didn't win it again, they still did very well for themselves. Yeah, I think that, that people just they were assumed fourth place. That it was going to be happening again. Yeah, like fourth place is, is still great, even if it's not grand finals, right? And they were doing well this season, too. And they kicked him. And then they immediately went in with this new player called Weeha went into the next major and tore things up. They look sick. They were in the grand finals. They got second. But at the same time, Matum Man, he carried Chaos Esports Club through their qualifiers. He had several games where he went through without a single death, which is crazy in, in Dota 2. There's a lot of action in Dota. If you if you aren't familiar with Dota and you're looking at it in League of Legends, let me promise you, you're not going to be seeing an, <laughs> a, a 5-2 to two game score at 30 minutes in. You're going to be seeing... 30, 40, 50 kills by a half hour. Like, that, yep. that's just the way that Dota 2 happens. So, um, Matumba Man, you know, being able to have several games where he didn't have a death 
is just incredible. And he carried chaos. So both both are showing they were right in a way. And it's only going to come down to who places better. At, well, seems at more right at TI. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about like the honeymoon phase when, when a team has, has new members. Mm-hmm. That'll go into the conversation about Team Liquid. Like, are they in their honeymoon phase? Because yes. they had they have a new players. Chaos Esports in the honeymoon phase where everyone gets along and is so happy and it's going to be great and all roses and flowers when you head in the TI. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I mean, if I had to bet on a team, I'm, I'm still definitely a bit, little bit of a liquid boy myself. I think yeah. that they, they'll probably perform a little bit stronger. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they had a poor showing or if Chaos Esports Club went off and had a really good TI. Chaos Esports Club is head up by a captain who's called Misery, and he's the one who... His player profile picture. Wow. <laughs> He led. Uh, he led Digital Chaos. He was one of those teams that nobody expected to to do well and managed to get second. He placed at TI six. He placed second. It was in the grand finals against one of the most iconic teams of all time, which is Wings, who uh, is is quite the the team themselves. But he managed to make that run through into the grand finals. Maybe he can do it again with Matamba Man. Who knows? It's totally possible. He he's he's one of those institutions at TI. Also, he's been to almost everyone at this point. Yeah. I think he's missed one, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Just just one. That was uh, the Planet Odd. That was two years ago, I think he missed it. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that's correct. Uh, and even, like, if you look at all the teams who were at the International this year, we've seen a lot of these names before, you know, the VP, LGD. There's mm-hmm. only three new organizations this year. It's, wow, uh, that's pretty crazy. It, it is crazy to me. It, it's NIP. Yep. Who people might know from you know their success in Counter Strike or other games, right. so they're still a giant organization. <laughs> it blows my yep. mind that it's taken them this long to get in there. Keen, who is who's one of the Chinese teams, right. it's their first TI, and then uh, Royal Never Give Up, which is another Royal Chinese team. It's, it's also their first TI. They are uh, both both those teams, Royal Never Give Up and Keen. Royal Never Give Up is a personal favorite of mine. How can you not like Monet? He's uh, in Dota right now. He's doing a crip sign. In his player profile picture. Like, <laughs> there's he? so much swag. <laughs> Monet, Monet has so much that. swag. I, I'll show you some pictures. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, like, uh, so again, if you're backing, like, if you want to be able to back a, a Chinese team, but maybe you don't want, like, one of the favorites, mm-hmm. uh, like VG Gaming, I think Royal Never Give Up is, like, a really cool squad uh, to be able to follow. Very young squad. <laughs> Wait, that's actually his player profile? I or? mean, I did, I did the Photoshop edit. This is really bad for a podcast. Yeah, yeah, no but, one can show the picture that did, I'm showing did Cap he right now. Do the crypt yes, sign? he's doing a crip sign in his, in his player profile picture. Really? That's I prom <laughs> I promise you that's the case. Go look it up later. You know. Oh, that's fantastic. He's also a pirate. <laughs> that's excellent. That's excellent. Uh but yeah. yeah, so many of these players have personalities. <laughs> There's so many fun stories. You can you can root for underdogs. You can root for favorites. Roll never give up is is a very fun team. It's and, always it's great to see Lanham there. He's also yeah. like a Chinese institution who's the person on the team. I think Super is their captain. Uh yes, I believe so. I'm not hundred percent certain on that, but um, I I do think that. One of the other things about the international that makes it really nice is the fact that if you want to be able to learn more about a team, this is probably the best time to do it because mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of really great content pieces made around these players. One of the the rare times where players are really forced to do content. Dota <laughs> players are, are very, uh, a lot of them are introverts, very soft-spoken, don't really want to get in front of a camera, but this is the one time they're really forced to. Oh, and yeah. we're going to have a lot of in-depth player profiles on players and their history and what they do outside of the game and how they grew up and and there's been so many great stories again the documentary free to play um was the first one that really hit i think everybody's hearts even just the short player profile pieces that get made every year where they just take a player from any given team and you know they go interview their family they go to their to their homeland they see what a day in their life's like they talk about their story Mm -hmm. like it's stuff like that that really opens up not just dota but esports to like a more to to a broader audience because that's shareable content you can connect and understand that these people are also just people and not just crazy dota robots yeah i i totally agree again you don't get a whole lot of personality behind these players and other other events but this is the one time that like you'll be able to really find somebody that you identify with and can cheer for. and it's also like the dota convention in a sense because all these yeah. people are going to be under one roof most of these people our friends, whether they mm-hmm. be like the actual players, the talent, the people who are going to the event together. It's I've gone to TI as a vacation to meet up with my friends who I never see any other time during the year. Oh, so absolutely. It's it, it's great to see all these people, all these players, if nothing else, being happy. It's this weird cacophony <laughs> of like, I'm super happy to like be around my friends and see these people, but at the same time be like, I want all of you to fail. I'm gonna win. Yep. I'm gonna take the big check home. I'm gonna buy mom a new house. 
Yep. It's, it's, it, it's a real double-edged sword at, at these events. Yeah. A lot of friendships have been made through Dota and a lot of friendships have been broken because of Dota, because of the, the teams that, you know, you have to kick someone or, you know, you, uh, it's high emotions. you end up having, yeah, some sort of disagreement. Like everything can be broken, you know, under this, this pressure cooker. I have so. friends that I can't play Dota with anymore because oh, I appreciate them as human beings. Yes. And I love to go get dinner with them and I'll work with them. But if we mm-hmm. play Dota, I realize that they are my least favorite person. Yes. So, yes. It's I, the I, same I, way with the teams. I 100% agree. Let me tell you, there's a new matchmaking system in Dota right now that encourages people to play together. And I played with some of my fellow talent and it has been a frustrating experience. Yeah. Now you, have to, now you have to go work with them and you're going to be sitting on a panel. You're going to be talking about a great game and you're going to be looking over. And you're going to be like, man, you played such a fucking bad Bristleback game. I could, ugh. One of them, it disagrees with me. I'm just going to lose it all of a sudden. What about that time you win 0 10 and 4? What about that? Huh? Think you're hot shit at Dota? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm good at talking about it, right? I mean, you're the one who you're the one who played with me. It's something that we haven't even talked about, which is almost it, it blows my mind, is that all this exists outside of the actual meta gameplay of what's going on and what's popular. Yeah. With Dota actually inside the game. And to be honest with you, I haven't played a game in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't no, like I'm going into the international. I don't know who the top picked heroes are going to be. Yeah. I don't know who 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 is complete trash and worthless. Can you give me like a really quick catch up? Just like a super quick. Like I'll even put okay. sixty seconds on a timer. Like like I, I want the top level TLDR Spark notes. Okay, I will give you the TLDR. But first, I have to say honestly, I don't even know that much, and I play. A lot, and I play regularly because I, I feel like it helps me connect with what's happening in the game, and it helps me keep, like, a pulse, you know? Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to be able to know what's happening in, in Dota 2 right now. And I play a lot, and I cannot confidently tell you what kind of heroes are going to be picked at, at the International because, again, because it's such a strategy-focused game, the idea, the quote-unquote meta, what what is popular right now, what people think is good, will change so quickly between now and the time we actually start the international. And these teams are playing scrims against each other. That ideas will will get thrown in and will either you know become the hot new thing very quickly, or you know things that you thought were incredibly good just get dropped by the wayside in a moment's notice. So that being said. Uh, let me tell you, Alchemist is ruining all my games right now. That, that is a that's a hero that just like farms up gold incredibly fast, and he's just ruining all my games. I feel like the overall meta is um, is a mix between uh, aggression and control. And what I mean by that is you're gonna see a lot of these. Uh, if you want to see action, oftentimes the mid lane is the place to go to. This mm-hmm. is going to be a player who is moving around the map right now. It's very popular to have these players uh, picking heroes like like Ember Spirit or Death Prophet, and they're moving around the map and they're making things happen. They're they're killing heroes. They're pushing down towers, and then once you've secured an advantage, then it becomes about controlling the map and controlling the advantage that you have and building it up. And the enemy team when you're behind like that, has to make risky moves and has to, you know, use use smoke or use movement around the map to be able to chip away at that advantage the enemy team has. And one team fight can sway the entire thing. So it's like, you'll see a team and they'll take control, they'll be aggressive, they'll battle it out and they'll finally gain an advantage enough that the enemy can't really fight them and they'll secure that for like five minutes. But then like one team fight, can change all that and then the enemy team is the one in control and they're going to start trying to secure their advantage so that's the way i would kind of describe to a newcomer the way that dota is going to be played right now but again who knows which sounds exciting like it seems like these games that are going on right now are a lot more action-packed than they yes. might have been a couple years ago there have been a couple of changes that have really i would say they're called forced timings and what i mean by that is that the developer has created certain artificial ways to force people to fight even more than they used to before mm-hmm. so every five minutes there's these uh runes bounty runes that are now spawn all over the map that give you a lot of team gold yeah there's four of them so very often that's going to be like one of the times where people go and like try and get kills just before those spawns they have better control the map so there is going to be pretty much like every five minutes you're going to have some sort of fight happening people are going to be getting kills people are going to be dying and i think that's um that's 
what is going to create consistent action for people who are a little bit newer to Dota 2 and like just want to be able to experience like the spectacle of like what team fights look like every five minutes you're probably going to see something happening guaranteed other than that I don't know what other ways would I describe the meta rank. I think that's about it. You said alchemists. Are there any? Are there any other like real big standout heroes? Ember spirits. Uh, see, it's a little bit difficult because the the drafting phase that happens in Dota two, there's going to be some very popular heroes that just get banned away every single that time. That we'll probably so, never see. Io, Chen, like the, those two heroes, you may never see at the international, but they're probably. It could be just because they're always being banned away. But before somebody can pick it, if you're if you're also new to Dota 2 or you haven't watched in a while, let me tell you, I just did all my research for these teams and what they're picking and stuff. And let me tell you, it's very different based off of the regions. There's always going to be similarities in what heroes are, are good for sure. But the ideas that they have and some of the secondary and tertiary heroes that are being picked are mm -hmm. very different per region. And the international always becomes a story about who's right about their idea and their theory of the game, whose whose ideas are actually correct when they come into it. And all these regions are going to be clashing and putting their ideas against others. And somebody's got to succeed. Somebody and then, right. And somebody's going to be right in that way. And some team is going to succeed. And what you're going to see is other teams will look at that. They'll adopt it. They'll turn it into their They'll make it their own. And then it becomes a question of like who can do that thing the best in a way who can innovate very quickly under a lot of stress you know and the... that can take multiple forms sometimes that innovation is like how they're playing the game holistically sometimes it might be a certain hero pick yeah i think last was it last year that we saw like lich come out of nowhere um it was two years ago you know honestly i have a terrible memory for for uh well that makes two of us so Dota probably history, <laughs> but uh, i i can tell you like every every single year there is uh like these quintessential heroes that they were not the go-to picks even during the group stage they may not have been the go-to picks but as the tournament goes on later on in the playoffs they start becoming like the heroes of the tournament people realize and they didn't they didn't no matter they paid thousands of hours of dota before and it it didn't occur to them then but it's only until you put your ideas really to the ultimate test against other people in this high stakes combat that you you start discovering like what is actually best. I guess we're going to try and round this out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely don't know how long I've been going on for, which could be problematic. Do, do you have anyone whose ideas you like going to TI, which is a roundabout way of asking, do you have any favorites going to TI? Uh, the ultimate favorite right now is Team Secret. And I do feel like this is going to be one of those years. Every single year, the favorite has a target on them. And as a result, they oftentimes fail to to do very well, like not placing top three, going out, you know, seventh, eighth, something like that. I think this is going to be one of the few years where the favorite team actually does quite well. So I like what Team Secret is doing. I like their their ideas about the game a lot. But who knows? Like again, because they have a target on their back, maybe everybody's gonna know how to play against them. Who else? For underdogs, I personally like RNG quite a bit. I think Liquid will actually do very well this year. Um could be they could be the first uh, team and first captain and several players to be able to win the international twice. I could, that's a strong possibility in my head. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very casually rooting for Team Liquid. Mm. Just you know, you know, let's break that streak. Let's 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 take a team that I, that I feel some personal attachment mm -hmm. to. Let's root for them. Let's grab one. I really like Vici for yeah. for the for the China side. I Vici think is they're a, doing exciting stuff. Yes, they are, they are a very fun team to watch. And again, if you want to be able to cheer for a Chinese team that. Is one of the favorites. Vici Gaming is, would be my go-to instantly. Yeah. Vici or LGD are probably the two if you're looking yeah. for like the strongest Chinese representation. It's a shame we barely even talked about like the the the, the SEA teams because yeah. uh, it seems like every time the international comes around, they become super saiyan strong. They're yeah. like TNC can just pop off, Manenski can just pop off, and then suddenly you're like, they weren't on my radar. But now mm. look at that. They're they're top eight. They're top six. What are they doing in a top four situation? TNC is a Filipi Filipino team that has had similar rosters for the last three or four years and have had a lot of big underdog upsets. They took down the favorites when OG were the favorites for TI7. Seven? Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think that's both right. They, I, I think they, they managed to knock OG out, which is a huge surprise. 
um, because they were they were so dominant during the DPC season. They're a great Southeast Asian team to be able to watch. They're very likely a team that you'll be able to watch next year as well because, again, they've kept similar rosters yeah, throughout the like years. Yeah, it seems like they shuffle one or two or some people yeah. go away from TNC, they come back to TNC. Yeah. I feel like TNC is actually a roster of about 12 people at this point, and at any given time it's just <laughs> one of those 12 people. That's how I kind of put them in my head. The uh, Fnatic is a great squad to watch just because they have uh, a really big personality in Ice Ice Ice. There's uh, a lot of history with him in Dota 2, and he is probably one of the most eccentric and interesting guys that is out there in Dota 2. Fnatic's cool because if you're looking at like a, a C region, they, they have people from Thailand, you know, mm-hmm. from, from Singapore, I suppose, from, I think, the Philippines, yes. Korea. They're like the true melting pot when yes. it comes to SEA teams. Yeah, and I think like that most, I feel like it's like always uh, an interesting point for Southeast Asia is like, is it better to have the melting pot or is it better to be able to have just, you know, one squad yeah. from one country that you can play? Which is you know, TNC. In a they're they're all, TNC they're all Filipino. pretty much always been always Filipino. So, yeah, I think, you know, no matter where you're from, no matter what kind of you're backing, there's always going to be one team and probably several players that you're going to find. If you watch the international, you watch some of these content pieces, you watch the game, that you're going to be like, damn, I, I like that guy a lot. I want to see him do well. I want yeah. to see him lift the ages. I want to I want to watch their stream. I want to follow them. I want to get yeah. better from them. It's always great to see those personalities. And we're, we're so close. Like, you're, you're taking a flight in two days to go over there? Yes. Like, I mean, the international is starting <laughs> basically tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely, if, you, if you're thinking about, if you haven't watched Dota 2 in a while, you want to be able to watch some stuff, we talked about what you should watch, just do it now, because TI is coming up real fast. This this is literally the best time of the year. You're not going to yes. find a better time to either come back into Dota or to sit, to, to sit down and, and really obsess over it. We're going to have weeks of the best games all year, the best storylines all year, the best video pieces all year. It's it's going to be, it, it, this is it. This is Dota Christmas. And I hope that, like, if anything, especially if you haven't watched Dota in a while or if you're new to Dota, if you're going to take anything away from this, just take away the fact that this podcast has gone on much longer than we anticipated. Fuck! And and that's entirely because of how passionate we are about the game. And I promise you, you talk to, you bring any of the other talent, any of the other players, any of the other guys who routinely watch Dota, and they're going to feel the exact same way. And there's a good reason for that. So you should be excited, too. Absolutely. I'm excited. You're excited. Everyone should be excited. So yeah. I think I'll let you go. You should go like pack suitcases or like do whatever <laughs> it is you have to do to get ready. Did you already like pick out suits? Did you like lay them on your bed yet and be like, oh, t- day one's going to be purple and day two's going to be navy? No, no, I don't. I don't that's all I'll decide the morning of. But oh, I, haven't, I haven't bought my I get a new suit every year for the international to kind of celebrate. And I, I didn't do that this year. So we'll see. You can go Maybe get I'm going to do go it in, in China. Yeah. Yeah. Go, 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 go treat yourself. You deserve yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- thanks everyone for listening to Sidepole Podcast. This is this is episode one. This is like a pilot. This mm-hmm. is like a, there there might be more. Maybe I think if you guys like it, please let us know and we can make this uh, a more regular thing in the uh, the next season. But uh, this is just like a TI crunch where we just try to get through pretty much as much as about TI as possible <laughs> before I had to go. So. Yeah, maybe we can let it breathe more next time or yeah. something. <laughs> but, but, but thank you all. Well, uh, good, good luck. Have fun. See you around. Bye. Bye.